and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emma Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about nine signs that you're investing in property the right way. Now, I always like to do these sorts of shows because property investments can be pretty complex. And sometimes it's nice to have these reminders of a couple of checkboxes that you can say, actually, yes, I am doing this right. Or, oh, yes, I've heard you guys talk about that so much, but actually, I just haven't got round to it yet. So maybe I'll go do that now. Now, we actually did an Instagram post on this and it was pretty popular, so I thought let's turn this into a podcast. So number one for me is you're not sweating the small stuff with your tenants. And this is something we talked about a couple of episodes ago, but I really care about this one in particular because I do think it's important to remember that although it is your house, you own it, it's your tenant's home. That's what they're paying you the money for. And so it is things like not driving past every single week, not worrying too much about whether the lawns are a bit long or even if it's not 100% how you would do it in terms of cleanliness or different things. It is important to not sweat the small stuff too much so that you're focused on growing the portfolio. Don't worry too much about the property itself because you've got to focus on the portfolio and leave everything else to the property manager. And it's funny that you mentioned this. I met with one of the investors that I worked with last week and he forwarded on to me a valuation that he'd had done on his apartment in in the city, Christchurch. And he said, have a look at the pictures, uh, the tenants aren't the cleanest. And anyway, I looked at the first picture and it was a picture of the kitchen and there was just stuff everywhere, like, you know, cups out and, you know, spoon out and the Milo spread across the counter, all those kind of messy things that you'd expect in a student flat. But then we went to the bedroom. Well, we didn't go to the bedroom. I looked at the picture of the bedroom. I always suspected something (laughs) about you. And there were just clothes everywhere. The mattress had no sheet over top of it. It looked like a boy's dormitory, whatever that looks like. And it was horrendous. And I laughed and I thought, that's terrible. I'd be annoyed about that. But then I thought, actually, this is kind of one of those small stuff things. Does it really matter? Not really, so long as they're not doing any damage to the property and they're they're keeping on top of, you know, the cleanliness of the shower and stuff like that, that could be a problem later. It's probably not the end of the world and he's getting a reasonable rent for it. Hit us with number two. Number two, you're buying property around the country or at least outside of your location or even thinking about your next purchase in another location because it's very easy for us to do what we've always done and invest where we know, but that can be the worst decision ever. So if you go back... 15 years and you were thinking about investing in Wellington, that probably wasn't the right time to be buying in Wellington. Just because you live there and you know the area doesn't mean you should be investing there because you want to be investing in a market where there's opportunity. And so so it's really important to be thinking about just the numbers, not the fact that you want to invest in property and you know where Kilburnie is, so you're going to invest there. The other part to that is if you were living in Christchurch and investing in Christchurch and then along comes the 2011 earthquake and and your whole portfolio is affected by that, that's a real problem. So you want to make sure that you're putting your eggs in different baskets there. You don't want to be exposed to one particular market where if there was an earthquake risk and all of a sudden all of your properties are affected at the same time, and yes, they might be insured, but if that earthquake happens two years before you start to sell down your portfolio, that could put your retirement on hold for another five, 10 years while you work through stuff with EQC and your insurance companies. I mean, again, you know, if you do get to retirement and all your properties are one area and it's not a good time to sell those properties, that can make it really hard for actually exiting that portfolio and liquidating at that stage as well. Number three, you know your accountant's first name. 
Now, you're probably thinking, Ed, why does it matter whether I know their first name or not? Why is that an indicator of success? And I use this as an indicator of success because if you know your accountant's first name, then you've definitely got one. You're not running your taxes by yourself. So if you know your accountant's first name, Great job. You've probably worked with them over the last 12 months. You've submitted your tax returns. That side of property investment is going along. Now, if you've got an accountant and you don't actually know their first name or you're looking at your partner now saying, actually, what is what is the name of that guy? <laughs> Look, as long as you've got one, that's the most important thing. You've got a property accountant and over the last 12 months, you've actually filed your tax return. That's the key marker of success. Have you done that or have you not? If you know that your accountant's first name is Bob, I guess that's really a bonus. But I like to use that as an indicator to see, well, do you actually have one or not? What's number four? And actually, just to add to that, if you're a big property investor, you probably want your accountant to know your name as well. You want to ring up and say, hey, it's Andrew Nickel here. And they go, oh, yeah, sure. How are you, Andrew? Ringing me and bothering me again. Number four, get all of your rents paid into the same account. So have a really easy setup for your operation of your rental properties because the easier you make it, the more likely you are to be able to manage these things. And as your property portfolio grows, it'll just keep you from missing a payment on the mortgage or missing a payment on the rates. It makes it much easier to track. So if you can keep this nice and tidy, it will help when you grow your portfolio. This was one we got a bit of heat on though. People disagreeing with this, Andrew. And I know there was- disagree. People are allowed to be wrong. Well, there was a question around entities and not wanting to muddy the cash flows and having to go back and then identify which expenses or which payments that came out of those accounts were relevant to which entity. Oh, so like I, would say, I would say entities, you'd have one account per entity. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Now, the main reason around that as well is because each property is going to have different expenses over time. And so if you've got all of that cash going into one bank account, you'll build up a little bit of a buffer so that if one property has higher than average expenses for the rent that's just come in, it can cover it. It's the idea that you're not having to constantly think about switching money around your bank accounts. And actually, one thing that I've seen quite regularly is that if people pay things out of different accounts, so for example, they pay their rates out of their personal account because that's where their money is and they consider that their top up, when they file their tax return, maybe something gets missed. And I'd say that probably one in 10 set of accounts that I see that people have filed, something's missed along it. Fantastic. Number five is all your mortgages are set on interest only. If you've got a personal mortgage, and even though we've been banging on about this for almost two years now, Andrew, almost 640 episodes, certainly this is one that people keep coming back to. If you've got a personal mortgage, it is generally the right idea to be paying that one down more aggressively than paying down your investment properties as well. Now, the idea behind this, though, of course, is that if it would take an extra $200 to pay down the principal of your investment property, take that $200 and put it against your personal mortgage. Pay that one down most aggressively. And this is for a couple of reasons. Certainly, while we've still got the interest tax deductibility rules, it means paying less tax. Second of all, it makes you much more secure. You're trying to unencumber the bank's interest in your own home, if possible, and Thirdly, it can often help you grow your portfolio more quickly. Why? Because if you've borrowed 100% against your investment property, you've got to pay off 40% of that loan before the bank's going to lend you money against that. 
Whereas with your own home, because your mortgage will be much lower, because you've got more than 20% equity within that property, then the, every dollar you pay off your personal mortgage, you can actually re-borrow again to then grow your portfolio. That's not the same if you're paying down an investment property mortgage, especially if you've borrowed at 100% for that. Isn't it amazing that this is still probably the most disputed topic in property investment, even today with all these different features? I'm gonna, and, and honestly... I've been so firm on my stance around interest only. All I ask is that if I'm wrong, someone prove me wrong because I just can't understand how those guys that say, no, you should pay down your investment property. If you've got your own debt, that is not true. It's if you've got your own debt is the big one. Now, some of the people who are very, very pro paying down investment debt are very large property investors. And at a certain point, it does make sense. If you've paid off your personal mortgage, that's when you can start to pay down yes, debt. only them. Number six, that your property manager has completed a healthy homes assessment. And this is really important now because firstly, there's a $500 fine if you don't do this. And there are going to be more fines for people who aren't compliant. And you want your tenants to be living in a house and be comfortable and not shifting because it's too cold in the winter. You want to avoid that kind of vacancy and you certainly don't want a $500 or $5,000 fine. Easy way to check this hit up your property manager and ask for a copy of that healthy homes assessment because it's probably been done. I've got my fingers crossed that it's been done for you, but the only way to check is to ask to see it and I'm sure they'll have it. We're now going to have a rush of all the investors we've ever worked with asking for them. Linda will be so stroppy. Number seven, you've run a cash flow analysis on your properties. This is so important before you make a purchasing decision and I know I'm probably preaching to the converted now because you're all so onto it, but you need to run that cash flow. And actually, when we posted this on Instagram, somebody said, oh, we've done all of those nine things you're talking about, except we haven't done a cash flow analysis and we're not keen to get one done. And I'm quite, why aren't you keen to get one done? But oh, we don't want to spend the money on it. Just download the spreadsheet, opuspartners.co.nz slash ROI. Just download it. It's free and run your own numbers if need be. Just do it so you know how your cash flow is going to run and so you're not caught out and all of a sudden having to top up a property by a couple of grand because you didn't realise a bill was coming and you hadn't been planning for it. And never, ever, ever buy a property without running a cash flow analysis on it with the long-term assumptions factored in, higher interest rates, maintenance, vacancy, all all those things. Not a back of the envelope calculation where you stand at get the auction and go, oh yeah, the rent to pay that mortgage. You need to do a proper cash flow analysis on a property. Number eight. Yeah, I like this one. You go to sleep dreaming about your next investment. Now, when Ed's not going to sleep dreaming about his next Excel sheet, he's dreaming about his next investment because you want to be excited about it. You don't want this to be a burden. You want to be thinking about how to repeat this process that you've done probably at this stage, and has worked for you. And if something's working, do it again, do it again, do it again. And if you're not in a position to buy that next investment now, you need to know exactly what you need to do or what position you need to be in to get there. So whether that's pay off a little bit more off your mortgage, add some value to your existing properties, get a slightly higher income, put a border in your house, find out what these things are so you can make a conscious daily effort towards your next investment. 
Do you know what? I literally do. I'll be, <laughs> I, I'll be lying in bed being like, okay, okay, so there's 50 grand there and there's 10 grand there and okay, how, how, could, how do oh, I no, get I the know. extra 20 grand? I get grand? these phone calls afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> now, mate, I've been, I've been thinking about this. I think that I can get 20 here and I could do this and da-da-da-da-da. Honestly, it makes me excited. I know a lot of you listening as well are exactly the same way. Now, number nine that we had on our Instagram was that you listen to the Property Academy podcast <laughs> daily. But you're obviously listening to it, so you can tick that one off, and that's a bit self-serving, so I'll give you another one. That you have had a review over the last 12 months of your portfolio. So over the last 12 months, you have sat down, whether it's with a professional or just with you and your partner, or by yourself, and you have looked at your portfolio, you have checked what the values are, you have logged into your bank and checked out what the mortgages are currently at, and you've seen how much money is in the rental account, yes. and perhaps thought about growing it, perhaps thought about ways you might be able to improve the value if it's a property that you've hold for the long term, or it's an existing property, but you've thought about the next steps in your property portfolio, and you've actually done it over the last 12 months. And I want to say that this is different from what Andrew just Said. Not going to bed and thinking about it, even though that's a good thing too. But you've sat down with a, a spreadsheet open and you've checked the facts and you've thought about what are my next steps. And I think the biggest thing out of us introducing this review process that we're doing, which is not a pitch for that, you can do this yourself. Again, as he said, if you want a professional, absolutely use us. But if you want to do it yourself, it's just about looking at are the properties that I have today going to do what I want them to do in the future? And is there an opportunity cost with one of those investments? So you might have bought something a few years ago and because of a change in circumstances, the rent isn't as high as you wanted and actually now the bank's forcing you to pay principal and interest on that one and it's affecting the cash flow. Maybe now's the time to get rid of it, but get rid of it and replace it with something else or maybe two. And it's really interesting and I know we did some case studies off those reviews and a lot of the investors, you know, just by making a couple of simple changes can really improve their cash flow. With a lot of them as well, they might be able to sell one and buy three because they've had so much equity increase. That property's great, but it's got a whole lot of untapped equity now, which they want to actually release and be able to buy newer properties and get that tax exemption. So there you go. You're not sweating the small stuff with your tenants. You're buying properties around the country. You know your accountant's first name. All your rents are going into the same bank account, or at least all from the same entity are going into the same bank account. Your mortgages are on IO if you've got a personal mortgage. Your property manager has done the healthy homes assessment and you have a cash flow analysis on each of those properties, especially when you've bought it. And the last two, you go to sleep dreaming about your next investment <laughs> property and over the last 12 months, you've sat down and reviewed your property portfolio. What I want to know is how many of these nine signs have you personally ticked off yourself just while you've been listening to this? Send us a text because I am really keen to get a sense of the average of how many of these signs people have actually done. And maybe the ones that they're not doing. So if you've got seven out of nine, tell us the two that you didn't do. And perhaps why, because usually there are people with good reasons or you know a justification for why they have or haven't done something. Send us a text to let us know, 5522. Or alternative for you, head over to Instagram, follow us at Opus underscore partners and send us a message. It'd be great to hear from you. And of course, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you 
get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.